0: Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. Welcome back to Number But The Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. And Flynn, we're recording on Sunday, July 2nd. Bruce did the second show in Oslo today, and there were some changes. There were indeed,
1: and mostly in the form of four songs from Born in the USA coming between At in the Street and Kitty's Back. We had Darlington County, Worked on the Highway, I'm on fire, and the tour debut uh, of Downbound Train, and certainly the other three are—they're pretty much rarities on this tour as well. Now, what's interesting is that we had eight songs from Born in the USA play today, yet no No Surrender for the first time on the tour.
0: Yeah, and not only was No Surrender left out, there was also a resequencing at the start of sorts. Mile of Open followed by Death to My Hometown, which went into Ghosts, and then Ghosts was followed by Letter to You, skipping Prove It All Night. Now, Prove It All Night was then played after Letter to You. But I think the impact was with all the changes, at least for the first half of the show, this was really a show where people didn't know what was coming next. And that is very refreshing considering what's happened the last three or four months.
1: Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, you had that, that sequence in there, as I said, of the four USA songs. And yeah, you never knew what, what was coming next, I guess. And then when they finally got, back, got the kiddies back, it was... So late in the show that even though they did night shift, they went straight from Mary's place into last man standing. So that whole E Street shuffle, Johnny 99, my hometown, the river area of the show was was skipped completely on this one.
0: And I think we're still looking for perhaps some variation in the second half of the show because just like he can take out No Surrender, he could take out Because of Night if he wanted. Wrecking
1: Ball. I don't know. Just thinking off the top of my head here.
0: But we are (laughs) seeing songs that were in there every night are now starting to fall out. And the show is substantially different than it was in Tampa. Now, we haven't gotten a change from night to night we'd expect on a Springsteen tour, but we are getting evolution. And the show has now evolved quite a bit, today being, I think, the biggest example of that.
1: Well, yeah, I'm seeing, just off a rough count here, I'm seeing eight songs performed today that were not performed in, in Tampa. And, of course, uh, what does strike out to me, stand out to me, is that we still had eight songs from Born in the USA today, and that's not including No Surrender. And then the previous night in Oslo on, on June 30th, he did My Hometown. So between the two shows, you got nine, ten songs from the USA album. I guess we're, we're leaving out Cover Me at this point, and I'm going down. Am I missing any?
0: I don't think so. And I guess we can tell people what I texted you when No Surrender was (laughs) skipped today. I said, no Surrender could have been skipped because he's setting up a performance of the full record. Now, of course, that didn't happen. He did play the four songs in sequence at the end of side one. And I do think maybe we can expect to see full performances of the record, if not this year, the next when It's the 40th anniversary.
1: All right. Well, I have a question for you. I didn't ask you, ask you this earlier, but I'm, I'm going to ask you it now in front of all our listeners. Yes. Did you, when you texted me, did you, had Darlington County started playing it? No. Okay. So that so yeah. it was really weird because then I got a couple of texts actually from one of one of our Patreon s- subscribers. Uh, he sent me videos uh, of Downbound and I and working on the highway. So I'm like, oh my god, maybe Hal wasn't kidding after all. But
0: yeah, I was totally joking with you, though it does seem clear that the album is on his mind. That but for at least for today, no full performance. Well, still, so you got eight of them, and of course, four of the
1: encores that's always been USA heavy anyway. Uh, especially when you got three in a row. But uh, I wonder how a USA album performance would would affect the encores. I think that would be the biggest question.
0: Yeah, I think at this point, the performance of the full record could potentially have a positive impact on the show. It would certainly change the encores. Now, I've come to the conclusion, I think you agree, as we've said, there's not going to be a lot of rarities played on this tour. It's really more about the changes that he made today, because there were six changes in this show from Oslo night one, and there was also six changes in Gothenburg night three compared to Gothenburg night two. So now we're starting to get some change from night to night. And I think he's just going to draw from a specific batch of songs. And if he's going to do that, then to pull the Born and USA songs out because he's playing them anyway, put them all together, then probably makes the encores a much more adventurous place.
1: One would hope so. Obviously, that could be filled with uh, with some fun covers or or I don't know, Hungry Heart, (laughs) I guess. And it would certainly mean that some of the songs in the in the main set would that we've heard every night would would get dropped out and and call me weird. But I really like Cover Me, especially without the long intro and outro. And it seems like a good bet that one's going to show up in the future uh, either way.
0: All right, and moving on to tonight's main topic, which I think we're going to have a lot of fun with, we're going to do a little fan service right now. We often get the question sent to us either by email or through our Twitter page I want to buy an archive from, say, the Born in the USA tour. Which one should we buy? It is by far the most common question we receive. And tonight, we're going to answer those questions for everyone.
1: Yeah, this is going to be the definitive guide uh, for now, or <laughs> at least until they release uh, some more shows from the archives, which the way the tour is going, it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a while.
0: Now, the way we're going to do this, I'm going to start in 1975. I'll pick first, and then the next two rounds, Flynn will go first. And we're going to do every tour that there is an archive release for starting in 1975 through the wrecking ball tour. And for good measure, we're also going to do 2014, 2016, and 2017. And I I think we both prep pretty well for this. So uh, it'll be interesting to see because we don't know each other's selections.
1: I can guess some of yours, Hal. (laughs) Let's (laughs) (laughs) let's be honest here. I, I, I think I can pick a few there.
0: That is true. But I've got some selections I think are not going to be so predictable. And in fact, let's just get started. 1975, the Born to Run tour. Of course, there are no archive releases prior to 1975, so there's nothing for us to select there. But 1975, I considered this very carefully, and I think most people would point to C.W. Post or the second Hammersmith show. But I'm going to go with the Roxy Okay, And the reason why I'm going to go with the Roxy is because I think it's, A, the closest we're going to get to the bottom line, and it's really a symbol of Bruce emerging as an artist, breaking out, obviously, the, the publicity that he got from the bottom line, and then they did the broadcast from the Roxy on the West Coast. It is a special moment in his career, and not that the Hammersmith wasn't special or C.W. Post, although C.W. Post is clearly not as important a show to his career as any of the other three, Bottom Line, Roxy or Hammersmith. But I just think that the intensity of this show and also the one-time performance of Going Back from the Birds, it just makes it the choice for me.
1: Okay, I I can see that, and I really like that performance of Carol. I think yes. uh, they have a lot of fun with that. Bruce is basically teaching teaching the audience how to how to build the rocks on, and I always I always like that in there. But I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm going with London eleven twenty four seventy five. The reason I I didn't go with Philly, it was it was the start of the series and the mix just wasn't top notch. L A was a good choice. I like that, but to me it's just it's just too short. And uh, C W Post. Again, very solid, but to me, it's the 22 song set from London that that really uh, that puts this one above all the others. And there's a lot of covers in this one. And there's a tremendous performance of Lost in the Flood, the solo piano for you, as well as a great Detroit medley. So I'm going with. uh, So, yes, I'm going with London.
0: I figured you were going to go with either London or CW Post, and they're amazing choices. One of the things that we have here is this series has given the fans a true embarrassment of riches, and you can't really go wrong with any of these selections. But for me, I, again, the intensity and knowing that moment that was taking place first in New York at the bottom line and then at the Roxy, that's why that one was my selection. Yeah, you can't go wrong with any of them. So its uh, they're all good
1: now going moving on to the darkness tour i guess what we should should acknowledge that they did really two shows from 77 they were basically or not basically they were mono soundboards and there were some issues some some songs cut here and there or pieces of songs cut here and there but we're not really going to going to address that one so i'm going to move straight to 78 and this one i i think i'm going to surprise you i think A lot of the uh, people would say, oh, you got to go with one of the radio broadcasts. But to be honest with you, the West, the Roxy show, there's a woman shrieking throughout the entire first set. Just drives me nuts. (laughs) I know that drives you bonkers. (laughs) It does Uh, feel like feel like it ruins a bunch of uh, ruins Candy's room. And for you, Uh, San Francisco, Winterland, first night radio broadcast. You know, it's just a soundboard. It's uh, so it doesn't really do it there. The Agora. Again, it was one in the early in the series. Tremendous show. This probably would have been my pick if it had been directly from the multi-tracks. But I'm going with the first night in Atlanta, September 30th, 78. I was tempted to go with the second night. Tempted. But I can't choose a show from the Darkness Tour that doesn't have that long, not fade away, glorious, she's the one performance. And you definitely can't have a show from 78 without backstreets with Sad Eyes. So to me, that one, that one gets the nod.
0: I acknowledge the factors you just named, and I'm going to pick one that actually is lacking those. <laughs> now, 1215 from, from Winterland would be far and away my choice had the release been multi-track. Of course, it's not. It's still an excellent release for anyone who hasn't heard it. It's a totally legendary show, and I highly recommend it. But hands down, the choice for me, based on everything, performance, set list, sound quality, is the September 20th Bob Clear Mountain mix from Passaic. Now, I really wanted to go with the first night, and there's nothing wrong with Al Chiller's mix, but when I was listening to the shows, getting ready for this the Clear Mountain Mix is just, it's mind-blowing. And I think it's probably the definitive live release we have from Bruce that entire show. And I don't know if anything is even close.
1: I totally see where you're coming from. It does sound absolutely amazing. And certainly any show with incident into Rosie is is, is going to get a few nods. And and that's a tremendous version of Prove It as well as It's My Life. So I, I totally see where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. And the darkness tour, when we're talking about an embarrassment of riches, it's defined by this tour, the radio broadcasts and everything that they have put out now is just, it's all remarkable. And the fact that we finally have it to listen to, you can argue it's decades too late, (laughs) but we do have it now. And just going through these shows you can't say enough about how good they were on this tour. And you're 100% right. I probably shouldn't have picked one without Backstreet's. I don't really care so much about She's the One, but the Backstreet's Sad Eyes is really, really key. And factoring that one in, I would have probably taken September 19th. But again, this one I'm giving the edge because of Clear Mountains Mix.
1: And uh, and moving on to the River Tour. Some of those fall 80 shows, they're really long. We got a lot of songs from from the new album on them. And, um, but to me, they're just too rambling. So, from for my pick, I like the uh, the Meadowlands, July 9th, nineteen eighty one. To me, it's it sounds amazing. And then you have all of all of the new stuff that that he had brought back from Europe. Follow that dream, Jolie Blonde, Johnny Bye Bye, and it just this is the one that does it really for me. And I think it's a, a tremendous performance in front of the hometown crowd.
0: That's fascinating, especially since I did not expect that we were going to vary so much. (laughs) I went back and forth. That was the show I focused on from 1981. And as we've discussed, there was a distinct difference in how the show's felt from 1980 to 1981. And I think that's what you like about that show. I'll go with the rambling. Uh, We know that your wife, Claudine, attended the New Year's Eve show. It's absolutely one of the most famous shows that Bruce has ever played three hours and 43 minutes of glorious rock and roll, the countdown to New Year's Eve, I I can't pass that one up. That, to me, is the choice from this tour. If I had to be stranded on a desert island, even though I think the Clear Mountain mix is so definitive from Passaic, but if I was stranded on a desert island and could only have one recording of anything it might be the New Year's Eve recording. And that wouldn't have been the case, of course, before they fixed it, but they did fix it. And so here we are. Yeah, they had a
1: little false start when this program first started back in, uh, I guess it was uh, 15. Those early ones don't sound so great. So it was when they finally released 1229, they did a, a remix of it as well. Now, one more thing I do want to say about the the July 9th show that, that I picked is that it's got Gary U.S. Bonds uh, guesting on "Jolie Blonde" and this little girl, which was a was always a top ten hit at the time, and so uh, so to me that also kind of pushes it a little bit more over the over the finish line.
0: Now I'm curious: did you consider Tempe as well, or we're not considering that because it's not an official part of the archive series?
1: I don't, yeah, I don't think it's an official part because you can't download the whole show. You can get those ten tracks, obviously, and and if you obviously. I imagine everybody has bought the uh, the river box. So you, you got the whole show, just not in one piece. And I think, yeah, if that one had been uh, a complete version of that one had been available, I might have gone with that. I certainly I would have picked that one over over the Nassau Coliseum shows, to be to be honest.
0: Well, there's an intensity to the Arizona show because of what had happened the night before the election of Reagan. We know and I think the Coliseum shows in general, because they took place between Christmas and New Year's, were much looser.
1: Yeah, but uh, sometimes that looseness kind of kind of led to rambling. <laughs> so I prefer the focused, uh, the focused shows of 81.
0: Now, next up is, of course, the Born in the USA tour. And this always surprises me because when I think of these shows in the archive series, it's really the hardest one for me. We have four outstanding shows from Brendan Byrne Arena in 1984, and so far we have two shows from 1985—one from New Jersey and one from Los Angeles. If you had asked me this question five years ago and said those were going to be the six shows that were released, I would have said, "Oh, H20 has to be <laughs> the best one for sure," and H20 is an incredible show. The little Stephen Guesting on "Drift Away," the horns. I think so much of that show and it is an important part. I remember listening to it on WNEW as Carol Miller was breaking in every ten minutes or so live from the arena. But I think the mix on that one, it's not Out Schiller's best work. It's a little sterile for me, and therefore I moved on to some of the other ones. The eight nineteen mix is I think better. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, eight 8- eight nineteen is certainly a a better mix. Uh, he got better, more, uh, more used to the band as, as time went on.
0: Right. And eight, six is the most recent one. And I think that is the best mix as you were just saying, that's got the street fighting man, which is excellent. And then you also have the August 5th show, which was mixed by Toby Scott. That one just, quite frankly, doesn't sound anywhere near as good <laughs> as the others. So that one gets discounted immediately. If I had to pick one of the 84 shows, it would probably be eight, six, but I just kept coming back to 1985. Now, some of this may be attendance bias. I was at the August 22nd show 1985. I was on the cusp of turning 17 years old. It was the summer in New Jersey. Bruce was literally the biggest artist on the planet, perhaps as big as anyone has ever been. Well, uh, at least uh, until Taylor <laughs> Swift in 2023 and the magnificence of what took place in that stadium, I think only really became as clear to me as it did when listening to the show back when they released it. Of course, I had incredible memories as a teenager of being there but they were the biggest, baddest band on the planet. The LA 85 show is also outstanding, but forced to pick one, I would go with the August 22nd, 1985 show from the Born in the USA tour. And that really does surprise me.
1: All right. So that's the first one that you and I agree on or the first really? one that you, yeah, we both selected. Yes. Yes. So those 84 shows that- there are just times when Bruce's guitar just sounds really weird. I like, it's not plugged in or it's not going through effects or whatever. It just doesn't sound right. And, and I was tempted to go with eight, six with uh with street fight man. And I'm a rocker, but basically for all the same reasons that, that you picked A 22 is, is why I'm going to pick it. That Bruce is on top of the world. The band is, they may never have been better than they were that summer in terms of, of, of playing and Bruce's power. That's when he was at the peak of his powers. Yeah. And as, I think as I said, I said at the time when we talked about this is that this is the Bruce I became obsessed with when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. This is, this is it right here. And to hear it in excellent quality and, and a great mix and, and Bruce's guitar really shines through on, on this show. So this one, if I'm going to pick a USA show to, to listen to, this is going to be the one. Now, my issue with 927 is actually kind of similar to my issue with 7778, <laughs> which is that there sounds like there are two women who were, uh, who were shrieking in the front row, <laughs> and that, that that gets picked up every time. But that's what happens when, when you're the biggest rock star on the planet, and then you're kind of a stud.
0: Now, 88, the Tunnel Tour. As hard as the Born in the USA selection was for me, this is the easiest one by far. <laughs> Same here. I mean, and we're going to match here. I and think we I, are. neither one of us saw this particular show, but The Last Night from the Garden is far and away the best performance. It sounds amazing. The version of Light of Day with Born to Be Wild is just off the charts. Yes, the other garden show with crying is really good, and that's an essential cover. But the May 23rd show to me is head and shoulders above everything else from this year. So, yep,
1: 52388. This was my first choice. I'd even have to think about it for more than five seconds. I think of those five seconds I considered Stockholm, but nope, this is definitely the show to get. You can tell there's something extra to Bruce's performance and we can obviously speculate on why that was at the time, but when he comes out and goes into boom boom after tunnel, be true, Adam Raisa Kane is just absolutely smoking. Vigilante man, how perfect is that song? And certain the Ain't got you, she's the one pairing. Always love that one. And yeah, this may be the single best performance of My Today that that I have ever, ever heard. It's incredible. And then, it's, it's, he changes some lyrics and, oh, it's, I love it. If I'm, if I'm listening to it while I'm running, my, my pace, you know, goes, uh, goes up. I drop down to a nine minute mile instead of a 10 minute mile just for, just for those eight minutes. And then, and closing with Lonely teardrops, such a lovely, lovely performance of it. And they nail it and they just sound great.
0: All of those things. And just the performance is so muscular. It's, you said that the Born in USA Stadium Tour may have been its high point, and of course, in terms of most standards, it probably was. But the band maybe they played better in May of '88 than they did even in '85. The the performance is really incredible.
1: Wow! I, actually, I never thought about that. I think it was because I had heard some uh, some misgivings from some band members that they weren't weren't having the best of times, but off stage. But I guess on stage, they were all bringing it bringing it every night.
0: Well, I don't know exactly who wasn't enjoying their time on tour at that point, but that's also the type of thing that can be channeled into, I I think a big performance because you're probably working out your aggression up there a little bit.
1: Well, I certainly think that would apply to Bruce. I mean, uh, he was going through, uh, the break breakup of his marriage and it sounded like he had turned a corner at some point. And obviously he was starting to see Patty as more than just a backup singer. And I think a lot of that came out was channeled on stage, as as you ju- as you just said.
0: Now, what about ninety two, ninety three? I'll let you go first here. <laughs> I, I mean, by the standards under which we're operating here, I think the choice is probably obvious.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, I would I would have loved to have selected one of the ninety two shows that had more of of the material from that album, from those albums. The Boston show, I absolutely love. It's got as many. Songs from the two new albums, as you're going to find at any other show on the tour, and of course the, the July 25th show with that second set: "All or Nothing," "99 and a Half Won't Do," "Man's Job," or not "Man's Job," "Real Man." That'll make for a fun listen. But uh, we just talked about this one, yes. and to me, the the June 24th show, 93 at uh, at the Meadowlands. We just talked about it for an hour. I don't know how much more we want to talk about it, but probably just, not that much but i'll just say that in terms of the performance the band was really on fire by by the end of the tour they were playing tremendously well and the first two sets of this show were basically what he had been doing in europe all all that spring and then obviously in the encores you still got the stuff he was doing obviously uh glory days thunder road born to run beautiful reward but then you got all the other stuff but long time settle for love 10th Avenue and Born to Run with a certain saxophone player. So I think uh, there really wasn't much uh, much discussion on this one.
0: No. And in fairness to the 92-93 band, I would have loved to have picked one of the purer shows. Boston, as you said, is a real revelation. The version of Soul Driver, that's a really good standard show from 1992. And if people haven't heard it, I highly recommend it. Get over your bias towards that period in that band. But, yeah, I mean, what is there to say? I mean, the, the June 24th, 1993 show, as Flynn just said, we just talked over an hour about it. And there was a reason for that. And it it was just an epic show.
1: Yeah. If you want to get more of our thoughts, just listen to our, the previous episode. <laughs> but then we, we move on to the Joe tour. Now, I got to admit, the, the three special shows, the two in Asbury and Freehold that have been released, they're great. They're tremendous shows, but I prefer to more of a pure Joe show. And that's why I actually went with Belfast, March 19th, 1996. Yeah. I thought that it had it had little things, which to me was always one of the highlights from the fall. and it, But it also has that new, as we called it, the new promised land that ended the shows. And everything in between is pretty much pretty much what we heard and what was the standard kind of show. And I just think this, and it sounds amazing and, and it just kind of has everything that I hold dear about the Joe tour.
0: I figured you were going to go with a pure Joe show. And I totally understand the rationale. I thought about it as well. I would have gone with the tower if that was the case, but we were at the eleven twenty six ninety six 96 show uh, it was another Jersey Shore epic night. The guest spot with Steve on I Don't Want to Go Home was really, really special. The material from Greetings, When You're Alone, everything that was played in that show, especially the participation of Susie and Patty, it just had such a special feel to it. And it's a legendary show. It's a legendary show for a reason, and to me, we gotta go with those shows. So that one is my pick from the Joe Tour.
1: Okay. And and it is a great show. Don't don't get me wrong. I just prefer more of the of the pure version. I, I wish I had I could have ch- selected a show, a pure Joe show with Shut Out the Lie, but uh, it was not to be.
0: I totally get it. And the Joe Tour was very, very special. And if you look at the December 1995 period, which of course is where the tower comes from he was doing a type of dark set with a narrative that was probably as artistically pure as anything he's ever done. And and that can't be overlooked because to be frank, it takes balls to do that. What (laughs) he did on that first leg of the Joe tour was pretty daring, especially with his fans in the audience who of course are all accustomed to big rockers. He had not at that point done an acoustic tour and I think a lot of people were thrown for a loop and the Asbury show is much different than that type of show. But I, I think at the end of the day, if I can only pick one, it has to be that third night of Asbury.
1: Understandable. I get it. I get it. Now let's move on to the reunion tour. A lot of good shows released from 99 and 2000. Uh, some great, uh, great incidents, great serenades in there. But, uh, I'm going to go with The Final Night from the Garden, 7-1-2000. Just one of my favorite shows of all time. It had pretty much everything that he had been doing, all the new stuff except for Another Thin Line, but he had the American Skin into Promise Lane, Open with Code of Silence, and then obviously the the tremendous closing of Blood Brothers. And it just blows away the experience that I had watching live in New York City, and it recaptured the feeling I had on, on that night in the garden.
0: There are so many good shows from this tour. Uh, There's some that just sort of snuck up on us, although I was at the Anaheim show uh, over the years. I didn't remember how great that show was. As many times as we said, they were really playing on a high level from May 2000 to the final night. When that show was released, it was, again, to use the word revelation. It, It just goes to show how well the E Street Band was playing in 2000. And the June 27th show is top-notch. And then you've got shows from 99, L.A., which I attended, and the Philly September 25th show, which I know you were at, is a colossal performance. But I have to agree with you. There's only one pick here, and it's July 1st. I still think probably June 27th was the overall better performance, but as far as picking one of these shows for this purpose, it has to be July 1st for everything you just said. The Blood Brothers finale, the intensity that was in that building that night, the love that was shown to the E Street band, and it all comes through on the archive release to Al Chiller's credit.
1: Yes, it does. Even, the, or especially Although, the. East- the e oh, East yeah. uh, e Street band chant by the crowd. And I knew you were going to say that about Atlantic City. I knew you were going to yeah. say it.
0: <laughs> uh, I, and I'm giving him a lot of credit here, but yes, he did sort of botch the end of Atlantic City. But that takes nothing away from the release itself. It just does not give you a full indication of what was going on in the building at that moment, which to be fair to him, he probably had no idea happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was just, uh, just an amazing night. And I thought that... Uh, that loss in the flood. Oh man, that that's that was a gut punch in in a good way. It just was such an amazing night all all around. That that is for sure.
0: That entire tour stood for something, I think for both you and me and the fan base as a whole. And Bruce himself said it, the rebirth and rededication of the band. That final night when we were there, we honestly didn't know for sure that it was going to continue. I remember thinking I did think it was going to continue. He certainly seemed to be indicating that it would. But you never know these things. And as hard as it is to believe because it's now 23 years ago and they're still playing, the question was there. And when we walked out of that building that night, everyone was just drained. And it was was something.
1: Yeah, that was a very special night in a lot of ways. And and one thing you had kind of talked about it, you said that the, how good Anaheim was kind of snuck up on you. I think that one of the gifts of, of of this archive series is the fact that so many shows that we may not have given a lot of attention to at the time. And I'm really thinking about that Chicago show from September 30th, 99, the third night in in that city. It had serenade it, or in an open with uh, take them as they come. Again, nobody gave it a lot of credit at the time, but listening to that recording, it just it just blows you away. Yeah, and it just shows you how much that these kinds of recordings can really amplify, amplify what you're hearing, and amplify how good the band is. You don't you don't always get that from a from an even a even a great audience tape. You know you don't get that feeling.
0: I totally agree, and it, it is an indication of how good the reunion tour was. And it was I still think it was the best tour of the last twenty five years.
1: I agree. Uh sometimes I feel like the rising tour almost reaches that 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 level with certainly the having all that new material to play behind and and almost a renewed purpose behind that album. But at the same time there was a different kind of purpose on the reunion tour and I and I and that's why I, I go with that one every time
0: for sure. And now let's move on to the rising tour. Now I considered this carefully, <laughs> but I'm going to have to go with Helsinki.
1: You know, I, I considered a lot of other options, but yeah, that Helsinki show really is the only one that, that really comes through from, from that tour. Way to fuck that one up guys. Maybe we let's should- not
0: get into the commentary about that right <laughs> now, because I think we've covered this enough. Let us just hope that at some point they fix it. all. that seems to be a pipe dream at this point. <laughs> But, yes, if you are looking for a release from the Rising Tour, Helsinki is your choice. Nothing Hope comes you close. you like it.
1: <laughs> Nothing else comes close. All right, move. right. Let's, let's move on to the Devils and Dust Tour.
0: Yes. And, again, this is another one that's an embarrassment of riches. We were both at the closing night in Trenton, which was a really strong tour ender, but it doesn't make the cut here for me. I was originally going to say Grand Rapids because of the Tunnel of Love opening, but I spent some time listening to the shows, and I have to go with Stockholm. The drama of the downbound train opening, which has such a feel of melancholy to it, the acoustic Lucky Town, and I think most importantly, the keyboard, piano, combo version of Walk Like a Man. This is just a stellar release. (laughs) Well, we've selected the same one.
1: (laughs) I I was trying to think about the other two, the ones Grand Rapids and Columbus, Ohio. But I I kept coming back to back to Stockholm. You mentioned Downbound and Walk Like a Man. Walk Like a Man just just makes this show, period. I think that's just such an amazing, such an amazing performance. I always get goosebumps when he when he switches to the grand piano. And then you have Across the Border and, and The Promise and, and The Promise Into the River. I mean, it's such a beautiful combination right there. And then you have the fun of All I'm Thinking About. And then and then in the encores, you got that the Blinded by the Light that starts off with that uh, sweetest drinking song. So for this one, for this tour, I think this, this is it. Totally agree. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sara Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. Now you want to move on to the Seeker Sessions tour, Hal? (laughs)
0: Sure. Did you even listen to any of these? I knew what the pick was for me. It's it's Jazz Fest because of, of the importance of the event, and I didn't want to listen to anything else. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I can see that. Now, see, my problem with uh with Jazz Fest, and I agree, it's a great performance. It was tremendously healing for the for the city in and of itself, but it's just quote unquote standard set lists from that tour, which is why I kind of gravitated towards the show from Rome on October 10th to me, the combination of all the way home and long black veil vale, that just makes this whole, this whole show for me. And I, I can't think of, I mean, these are the two best shows, two best songs from that tour that that they've released. Maybe, maybe that version of long walk home from, uh, from the London show is, approaches these two, but but no, these those two are are it for me. And then you got uh, Long Time Coming after uh, after Jacob's ladder, and that again just elevates it more, even though we do have that one on on the on the Dublin release, the official live in Dublin release.
0: All kidding aside, Jazz Fest is such a significant show in his history. I think that's some of the theme of my picks because that's one of the reasons why I went with the Roxy 75, it's a reason why I went with August 22nd, 1985, when he's at the peak. To me, Jazz Fest is so important. My feelings aside about the tour, I, I do think that that is essential if you're looking for a show from this period.
1: It is a very important show. He even he even uh, mentioned it by name specifically in, in his autobiography. So So I get it. I just uh, prefer the ones that had uh, all the way home and, and long time coming. I mean Bruce originals and on, on that tour were few and far between, but to me the better shows the more original material in the show, the better it's it's it ranks on my list.
0: I'll let you go first with Magic, although I think <laughs> I'm going to have a curveball on this one. Really? No.
1: Oh, <laughs> I didn't think so. But I'm gonna go with the same one, Hal. I'm going with St. Louis. Um, the performance is just there as you've said to me thousands of times and ever since. Uh it was just the band was on, the audience was there with them, and they played some some pretty cool stuff, and it still has the majority of, of the of the magic material. The only one missing was was Devil's Arcade for me, but I think having Drive All Night in that spot is uh that, that works just as well.
0: Obviously, my pick is St. Louis as well. Just one of the most unbelievable nights I've ever spent in a concert venue. And the performance, the interaction with the crowd, the set list choices, which, as you pointed out, had key magic material, but also had incredible rarities. And then on top of it had Backstreet's, Drive All Night, Jungle Land, It was an insane night, and they captured it well on the archive. Now, Boston, November 19, 2007, which has the Devil's Arcade that's lacking from St. Louis, and it's a phenomenal version of the song, is a really important show. We know it was Danny's last complete show with the East Street Band. Had St. Louis not occurred, that would be the easy pick here. For years, we said when we learned that the archive series that we felt that those were the two shows that should be released first from this tour. They were released first from this tour and can't go wrong with either one. Uh, certainly we're agreeing on St. Louis, but the Boston show is magnificent as well.
1: Absolutely. That was a, that was a great show, very tight, very tremendously strong performance from, from everyone. And then you even had the wild card of, of this hard land in there instead of promised land, which, which got to me, but, uh, but yeah, St. Louis is a longer show. You got more interesting set list choices in terms of wild cards. I mean, then she kissed me and mountain of love in the same show in 2008. That's just, that is mind blowing in and of itself right there.
0: It was certainly mind blowing when it happened. <laughs> that is for sure.
1: I, I I can imagine. I remember coming home and hearing, uh, hearing how great the set was and like, eh, yeah, we could have gone, maybe we should have gone, figured out a way to go, but. At that time, it just wasn't going to gonna work for us. So we, as you know, we don't travel that far for too many shows. <laughs> no.
0: And moving on to working on a dream, my pick is going to be a show I was at, which sadly you missed, but it is the November 8th, 2009 original performance of The River in its entirety. Something that when it was announced, I think it was about 10 days earlier, perhaps, seemed almost like. It was a dream that that could be happening. Of course, now it's happened many times. <laughs> but that first performance, the entire show, it was truly outstanding. And the garden—we've talked about the garden's venue before. That was really the only place I think that performance could have taken place. It was in a a crowd that contained uh, so many diehards, and the response from the moment the show started until the moment it ended, was really something to behold. And I remember as the final notes of Wreck on the Highway ended and he did his little spiel about these are the guys who recorded the record, and then he also mentioned Danny, the sound in that arena. You know, we talked about what was going on on June 24th, 1993, and nothing will ever top that, and we've also discussed the July 1st E Street Band Chant, but The River Show was was similar, that when, when those final notes of Wreck on the Highway ended and the album was complete, something that I think most of the people in that arena felt that they would never see, there was just sort of like an outpouring of emotion. And of course, from there, he went into waiting on a sunny day, but- <laughs> That's a whole separate story, but that takes nothing away from the show and nothing away from the archive. It was a classic night. And to me, it's the pick from 2009.
1: Okay. And I'm going to, I'm probably going with more of an attendance bias that I probably should, but I'm, I'm going with the Buffalo show that, that ended the tour, November 22nd, 2009. Obviously the, uh, the, the album that night was greetings and, yeah, a lot of songs I had not seen before. <laughs> never, actually, only one. I would never seen the angel. I had seen Mary Queen in, on the re, on the reunion tour of, uh, in, at the June twenty seven show, right. as you pointed out. But it also it had Restless Nights for Steve, and that was pretty much a holy shit moment right then and of itself. And and then as he went on and did a couple of two, both of his Christmas songs, Merry Christmas Baby and Santa Claus, and I don't want to hang on my rock and roll shoes. Well, that was a tremendous performance. And then the end of set with Long Walk Home, Rising, Born to Run 10th, that was all just just amazing. And there were a lot of diehards there that night as well. And uh, yes. we, again, we didn't know when we would see them again. And we kind of got the feeling that Clarence, he wasn't looking that good and he wasn't moving very well. So we kind of thought that maybe that would have been the last night for him. And, and sadly, it was. And, but he delivered. He, he delivered that night on, especially on Thunder Road and 10th Avenue.
0: He did. And that's a good show to listen to. The Philadelphia Spectrum show, October 20th, where he did Born in the USA straight through, is another great show. That one has the sign request that started the higher and higher that went on through the rest of the tour. Again, just excellent choices. All good lessons. I'm going to go with the river and you're going with Buffalo. Yeah, I would.
1: Kind of give it a little shout-out to Cleveland there with the best ever back in your arms. But uh, I think I have uh, spoken highly of that one before. But still, Buffalo is my winner for this
0: one. So we're, neither of us are going to consider the Coliseum show. You
1: know, I kind of want to, even if it was my birthday, or especially because it was my birthday. <laughs> and he did Kingdom of Days into the Wrestler. But yeah, it, those those early shows, they really didn't have what you would call a tight narrative. It was, they were kind of all over the place and it was a good show. It was a fun show, but the fall, when they finally found a purpose, which was playing full albums, right? The, the tour really took on a whole different, uh, went to a whole different level. Obviously it wasn't very hard from the going from that spring, but it was a, it was a top level that they were finally playing at in October, November of that year. And really it's what's your favorite album that they played. And that's the one they get, but, But still, for me, uh, the greeting show is the is the one to go is the go to for that for me.
0: And speaking of shows that had a very tight narrative, the Wrecking Ball Tour, especially at the start. Coming just what was it, 10 months after Clarence's death and Bruce built a show that was around loss and how do we move on and deal with these things and I just found it so compelling. And there's a number of very high quality releases from this tour. Which one is your favorite?
1: You're asking me for my choice. And it, it basically comes down to what rarities do you, do you want to hear? And every show ha- has something. Uh, obviously, your your Paris show was, was absolutely amazing with, with Incident and, and several others. And Helsinki with the longest show ever and Loose Ends, Back in Your Arms. Boston, Frankie, the uh, that the, the amazing Thunder Road to start the show, and then the Who'll Stop the Rain into uh, Rocky Ground, all all great shows. Even the St. Paul show got some seriously really nice moments. And then in two thousand thirteen, you had you got the two shows, only two shows from that year. You got Leeds, another one, Roulette, and uh, got to get that feeling in Rome, which unfortunately suffers from a, a a very poor mix. I wish they would redo that one. But I'm going to go down. This may be more of an attendance bias, but uh, the East Rutherford show, the Met, the MetLife Stadium from uh, September 22nd, his birthday show, basically the first time he played on his birthday in years, and it's got uh, it's got some you know some of my favorites. It's got Cynthia, Janie, don't you lose heart, Jungle Land and and Rocky Ground. So for, for me, that one, that's the one for me.
0: I actually considered that show. I considered Fenway and, of course, July 5th, 2012, which is my pick. Now, of course, I was there. There is some attendance bias. But what I'll say about the July 5th show, to me, it's not about rarities. There's actually more rarities than some of the other shows that are available from that tour. That night it was never about the set list for me. It was about what was going on in the building and... As much as I like St. Louis and as much as I like The River Show from 2009, I have to say, this is one of Al better mixes. And he really captures, when you listen, the show opens with Max on the drums, what appears to be a fake out until we take care of our own. And Bruce is firing up the crowd. And people were literally, uh, and I, I'm somewhat kidding, but frothing at the mouth, for <laughs> one thing, was very hot in that building. And you can hear it on the bootleg when he says in French, are you ready? The burst of energy that comes from the crowd on the July 5th release to me is much bigger than most of the other crowd responses that he has captured, even in some of these epic shows. And it's just an incredible listen from beginning to end. I'll, I'll be interested to hear from people who maybe didn't attend that show, what they think of listening to it, but... It really hits home. I actually listened to that show. Of all the shows that I've seen, and there are quite a number of them, as we've discussed in the series, I really have been listening to the July fifth show pretty much more than anything.
1: Wow. Okay. My my go to is actually the five twenty three eighty eight show. But going back to this to your Paris show, to me, this is when a time when you had no idea what was coming. I think the first yeah, uh, six songs 100%. of the night, I mean, I think that was that was a high. At, at the time, I think that was the first time there was more than one before We Take Care of Our Own, right?
0: Yeah, and it was all audibles. I mean, the set list is out there. He opened, <laughs> and of course, he had must have had that on his mind because he did this whole fake-out thing because the night before it opened, Would We Take Care of Our Own? And there was a lot of anticipation. The July 4th show was also released in A Good Listen. But when the drum started, I was like, wait, what? We take care of our own again? And he totally faked this out and it went into ties. And from there, it was supposed to go into we take care of our own, according to the set list. And he was running around like a maniac. And every one of the songs that followed between ties and we take care of our own was an audible. And it was clear that that was what was happening on the stage. He was calling out songs. And it it was really something, you know, 2012 is a very underrated year, I think, in general. And all these releases, the Stockholm release, the Paris release, Fenway, East Rutherford, those four are tremendous. And there was something special going on that year. As I mentioned, I think, Bruce, there was was something emotional to the performance that was... I think a little unique, especially since he brought the My City of Ruins so early into the show with the whole, uh, and I find this to be one of the most poignant statements he's ever made, if we're here and you're here, then they're here. That really is, I think, the theme of the entire tour.
1: Oh, exactly. I just want to throw one correction at you. It was Gothenburg, yeah. not Stockholm. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. That was released. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that's a tremendous show in and of itself. I mean, you got Frankie in there and and you got jungle land in there at the, almost like the end, end of the show. And I mean, that's a great version of, uh, of where the bands are. And yeah, as you said, I, these, we can choose any one of these here and you're getting a tremendous, excellent show, excellent recording, but you know, for us, for you, seven, five, for me, nine twenty two, And yeah, I kind of wish they would just release this whole tour. Uh, Yeah, that would be great. I I mean, not to be snarky or anything, but if they listen, if they release that whole tour, I would listen to that one way more than the current one. Uh, Just the way that there was so much setless variation, a lot of and a lot of stuff I really wanted to see. Um, I looked at the July 23rd show from Cardiff where he did TV, movie, and Cynthia like back to back. I'm like, holy crap, that was a moment. But but yeah, (laughs) anyway, let's not let's not compare to. But there was a lot of good
0: stuff on that tour. Now, what we're going to do, that completes the portion of the archive series where there are a limited number of releases per tour. Starting in 2014, of course, they released every show. We'll just go through quickly and name one show from 2014, 2016, and 2017. So if people care about that, they'll have our picks. From 2014, now we saw some shows in the States, but there's been one show ever since these shows happened that I am fascinated by and listened to more than any other from that year. Not that I listened to that year that much, in all honesty, but the Adelaide February 11th, 2014 show features an absolutely crazy set list with a performance to match. Summertime Blues followed by the Detroit medley to open the show. I'm <laughs> laughing. I mean, it's like so crazy. And Then he did Just Like Firewood, and there were incredible versions of Human Touch, Back in Your Arms, Darkness into the 78 version of Prove It All Night, and I think the guitar version on on that intro may be one of the best, if not the best, from the entire time since he brought the song back. They don't... Enter the actual song until like four minutes. That's how long that intro is.
1: <laughs> wow! Now remember, they were going to take the, take that site down. That first batch of live recordings from from 2014, and so right before they did, I wrote uh, wrote up a little piece for Backstreets uh, website about the five shows that that I would recommend doing or or purchasing before they before they went away. Obviously, they've they've since come back. But uh, my top show was April twenty second in Pittsburgh, which uh, got you got clamped down in there, stand on it seven nights to rock in the first five songs, and then you got "I Want to Be with You" and "Back in Your Arms," and then the promise, and then you got the combination of "Wall of the Wall" and "Born in the USA," which was a very powerful combination on that tour, as you know. And it was, and then the show actually closed with "Dream Baby Dreams" and. Bruce seemed to be in a great mood. Maybe he was too loose. I think there were some times where it may have gotten a little off track as a show, but to me, those, uh, those rarities that I, that I listed, especially I want to be with you and back in your arms. Uh, that's what makes me kind of gravitate towards that one.
0: That's a good pick at 2016. What are your
1: thoughts there? Well, it's almost like, well, which tour you have the, uh, the river album portion of the tour. This is true. And then you have Europe, which was he was he wasn't doing the album anymore, but he was still playing a lot of the material. And then you had the uh, the wild stuff going on. And in, uh, in August and September, when he was uh, he, he pulled out all the old stuff, the Nixon years, as, as I believe I, I texted you on the night of August 30th. And so it's like, which part of the tour would you would you go with? Come on. So tell me,
0: what was your pick then? I don't All right, have. Well, <laughs> my pick is actually a show I did not see. And I remember saying to you at the time when we don't go to the show, we're going to regret it. To me, the pick from this tour for 2016 is September 11th, 2016 in Pittsburgh, the 15th anniversary of 9 11, of course. And the way he used the rising material early in the show and then followed it with darkness, this is where he's at his absolute best. He knew what needed to be done that night. It was on everyone's minds and he did not ignore it. He approached it head on. And also speaking of emotional performances by City of Ruins, which came later in the show, this was a very special show by all accounts and an incredible listen in terms of the release.
1: And I think one of the things about the show that one song in particular you're missing when obviously Danny, Danny's organ solo at the end of that song was kind of a highlight on that tour And on this one, he, Bruce played that, that solo on his harmonica, which added another layer to, to the show in and of itself or to that song. And you're right. This is a, he nailed this, this show absolutely perfectly. And then even after he did the, he did the, the rising material, then it was back to the, back to the seventies. And he did incident into Rosie tremendous version of light of day. And, and Long Walk Home in the Encores, to start the encores, that was particularly powerful as well. It was. And see, I got to be honest. I, I really didn't pick one here. Uh, That's fine. It's almost like if, if someone said, which show would you recommend? I would I would literally tell them which show has the songs you want to hear the most because everything That's sounds fair. great. Everything sounds great. I mean, maybe I would say go after for river. River album performance go after March 15th. <laughs> I know yeah, you, I w- you March I would have said March 17th. Yes. Yes. That would be the key album performance. And then I would go with one of the ones in Brooklyn, to be honest with you, if I was going to do one, maybe the last one that also had loose ends. I was seem to gravitate towards that one.
0: Now, do you have a pick from 2017 to wrap things
1: up? I do not. Which one did you see that had Lucky Town and Back
0: in Your Arms? Well, that actually is not my pick. The February 14th (laughs) Valentine's Day show in Brisbane had Lucky Town, Better Days, Leap of Faith, Back in Your Arms. But that's not my pick. The performance that night was a, a little looser. And the following night in Brisbane, and over the years it's been reported that when he stays on the Gold Coast there, which is... Incredible and just magnificent beyond words, that it's really his happy place. And that second night in Brisbane, February 16, 2017, I think that's also a phenomenal show to listen to. It's so good that even working on a dream sounded good that <laughs> night, which it was the second song of the night when it started. I was like, what the hell? But then he also did, and it sounded really good. It was a little bit, had. It had a little bit more of an edge to it. And then he did Long Time Coming, uh, Roll of the Dice, which is what followed uh, Working on a Dream. He did Follow that Dream that night. And that was really a great show. Now, I can't tell you to go to that show over some of the other ones we mentioned here. But uh, since we're going to pick one from every release tour, that would be my pick from 2017.
1: All right. Well, I would go with the February 14th show if I were to, to download one. I mean, in addition to all the '92 material you listed, I also like Secret Garden, as well as the uh, Youngstown and the Candy Room was was a really good combination as well.
0: Fantastic it, show.
1: Yes, but uh, but again, pick which show had the had the songs you want to hear the most because they all sound like as I said, they all sound great.
0: Oddly, no Tunnel songs that night with all that romantic <laughs> material in the set. I guess you come close with come
1: close with Janie and back in your arms. Oh, and be true in there. Yes. But of course we, it, I, I should note that that back in your arms, they really lost their way in there. I think oh, they, for, you, they <laughs> I think,
0: absolutely did. Yes. I think they
1: forgot what, how the song even sounded, but uh, it kind of made for a uh, interesting moment where you had Bruce getting on the band's case about remembering it and, and who's going to come through. Nils is the musical director as far as I know. So. He had, a, he had his work cut out for him in that in that song.
0: Yeah, he said to the band, Nils is going to show us the way, and then <laughs> Nils played the chords on guitar. That was one of those performances. It was a train wreck, let's be fair. But Bruce really brought that one home. That was where you see as a performer when he's up there and things are not going right. What makes him so special that he can still get them through it and make it memorable, even if it's far from the best (laughs) performance of the song, because he really gave that one his all. And what I remember most about that is even after Nils gave them the chords and they started the song over, something was way off. They were playing it, I think, too slow, and he had to change his vocals and it changed the performance to match the tempo that the band was playing. And he, he did a great job with it. Uh, look, we know he's probably the best performer who's ever lived. <laughs> and, you know, it's in these moments where I think that that really becomes clear.
1: All right. That makes that makes sense. And I think it really you get a feel of that from this from the recording. So you really you get the get the full, full picture.
0: OK, well, that wraps it up. We've gone through the entire history of archives. Well, we we, we did kind of uh, skip over
1: Christic and The Bridge, but since those are just one, basically one show each, I guess uh, we're just not going to mention those. Yeah, there's nothing to pick
0: there, but (laughs) definitely they're both essential parts of your collection.
1: I would say The Christic more than The Bridge, but that's me.
0: That's true. And The Bridge is incomplete, although only very slightly at the end. How is it incomplete? Isn't it missing The Teacher Children?
1: Oh, did he not? Did he not? Oh, that's right. He didn't. That person did not sign that thing, did they? Correct. There was a, a release problem. If I yes. recall properly,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. That's he was just on backing vocals there. As long as True. you got, as long as you got seeds and the uh, dancing in the dark. That was those were my highlights from that show. And of course, everyone's seen fire, the official video.
0: Unbelievably, that wraps up our fourth season. We're going to take a short break here over the summer. We're not exactly sure when we're going to return. Normally, we'd come back. September 23rd, which of course is Bruce's birthday, but we're going to come back earlier. Maybe we'll come back around the MetLife shows if something major happens at some of the American stadium shows before that. Although at this point, I think that's unlikely, but we'll see, but it'll be probably five, six weeks where we don't do regular episodes, but we will continue doing all our Patreon content Brave Talk, our message board, will be going. We'll be doing special Patreon episodes, and we'll be doing our live streams. So if you are going to miss us, check out (laughs) our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah, we're still going to be
1: covering the tour quite a bit uh, on Patreon, some short episodes to talk about uh, some of the shows over there. And uh, yeah, we'll have something to talk about with at least regards to Gothenburg. So that'll be interesting.
0: And one last thing before we go, we just did a crossover episode with another podcast. We're not going to give you the details yet, but we are super excited about it and it was a real pleasure to be asked to join them and we can't wait to tell you about it.
1: Oh, it was it was definitely a, a, a tremendous honor and and I ha- and we had a lot of fun doing it. I think uh, people are going to are, are
0: going to dig what what we talked about and
1: how and how we talked about it.
0: Yes, and that's going to run on both feeds, the other podcast feed and the None But The Brave feed. And we expect that will actually be during the time we're off. Yeah, so you'll get a little a little uh, fix of us somewhere in there. And this is one of the better things I think that we've done. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So All let's, right. Let's so, wrap
1: it up here, Hal.
0: Okay, here we go. None But The Brave is presented by Evergreen Podcast. It's produced by Bull Market Entertainment. I just gave the Patreon page. On Twitter, you can find us at NBTB Podcast.
1: So, for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening, especially over, over all four seasons, and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank
0: you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, the Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So,
1: I started a podcast.